I had to be okay with maybe not having a boyfriend or getting married or having children or having these monumental things. And even growing old, it's a lot of things I think a lot of people take for granted because there are a lot of things that not everyone gets. So, and I had to come to this realization that I need to be okay if I don't get those things in life. So I think that was one of the toughest things to wrap my head around because there were so many unknowns and if the treatment was going to work or not, or. You're listening to Breaking Ice Podcast, a podcast I created for wives and girlfriends of pro hockey players. My name's Devin Dodero. I'm the wife of Charlie Dodero. We have two dogs, a little boy Crosby, and a baby girl on the way. We spent eight months of the year living the hockey life in Europe, but we've also spent about five seasons in North America. I've been around the block, sometimes just for a cup of coffee, but I wanted to share the tools, resources, and what's helped me along the way, while also learning every week from each and every one of you. In this podcast, we share tips, tricks, do's, and don'ts for all things women, all things hockey, friendships, trades, long distance, moves, and life in general, so you don't feel so alone. So put your headphones in, go for a walk, and feel like you're sitting down with your best girlfriends. Oh, and make sure to follow the page on Instagram, Breaking the Ice Pod. Let's lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Breaking the Ice. I feel like it's been one of those weeks where I think we all just need to take a deep breath. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you guys. It has been absolutely nuts for me, my family lately. We've just had so much going on. My husband recently invested in a rental property that he wanted to furnish within a week. And I feel like I am such a Libra. I am so indecisive. I have so many pieces in my own home that is not furnished yet because I cannot make decisions of what I like. I just know what I don't like. And honestly, really should probably just hire an interior designer or decorator because, yeah, it was just something that's hard for me. So anyways, we've been like, working hard on that. He's been over there a ton, putting all this furniture together, just like hustling. And I did one announcement about this on Instagram, I think, when I first decided and established that I was doing this, but I am starting a online children's boutique called Salt. And the page is called Salt Kids Boutique on Instagram, and I am doing it with my friend from college. We both have little boys that are 10 days apart, and we are launching on September 13th. So the last like two months have been so busy trying to get that ready to go. She has a newborn, and obviously I'm pregnant, going to have a newborn in a few months. We're probably going to be moving to Europe in a month or month and a half. We had like our very, I mean, we've had, it's funny when you're starting a business because you're, you kind of learn as you go sometimes. And there's a lot of things that we didn't necessarily know about or know how to do. 
and we kind of learning them on the way but we hired someone to put all of our labels on our clothing and they actually had no idea what they were doing and she returned like all like I think it was like 320 pieces of clothing with like the labels just looking horrible which was super super stressful and it's been like infuriating honestly because we've been working so hard to get this up and running but uh, I just found someone that lives a neighborhood over for me that does this as a career like she has a legit business whereas Step number one for me, and I think we learned this, was to not take shortcuts, which I felt like we were like, oh, okay, like we're going to just hire someone to kind of do this on the side. But so between that and the rental property, I've just been slammed busy while also (laughs) entertaining a toddler with no help, no babysitter. So it's been just absolute madness over here. Hopefully things will start kind of winding down a little bit and then it'll be time to go to Europe. So it's just never ending. I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but sometimes I just need to stop and slow down and like honestly turn on some reality TV and just sit there and completely binge so I can shut my mind off. Also, if you follow along on the Instagram page in about two weeks, the retreat is going live. That is going to be in Cabo San Lucas from May 17th to 21st of 2023. So If you're not already talking with your friends to potentially room with them on this retreat, start talking. There are limited rooms available this year. I did that intentionally because I want to make sure that our group is really tight-knit again. So I anticipate the tickets are going to sell out. There's a lot of people that are coming again from last year. So it's going to be amazing. If you have questions, I'm always here to help answer those questions And yeah, so that's kind of what's been going on with me. Sometimes I like to update you guys on personal things. Moving into today's episode, I had Caitlin Yurkura on the podcast and Caitlin and her husband, they also just got married like, I think three weeks ago or so. No, I think it's a little longer than that, maybe like a month um, to her husband, Dean Yurkura And he finished last year in the ECHL for the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Caitlin came on the podcast and shared about her journey through finding out that she had stage three melanoma that had spread to other parts of her body. And she got diagnosed with skin cancer when she was 25 years old, which obviously if that happened to anyone at that age, it would be a complete shock to the system. So she shares about how she found out she had cancer, like what was going on for her and her life and how that kind of all had to be put on hold. We talk about what chemotherapy was like, and she shares about what her confidence and self-esteem was like going through cancer treatments. And we talk a lot about how growing old is a privilege. And honestly, I was just very honored to give her this platform to share her journey as well as spread awareness to all of you listening that might need to hear what she has to say. I think it's a really important reminder that if you have something that feels off, like a gut feeling, that you stay ahead of it. I think in this lifestyle, it's very, very easy to put things off or you're kind of, you know, not totally sure with your health insurance or this or that, but it is your health and it's important. And um, I just love how 
Caitlin sheds light on all this. She is such a beautiful soul and I am very happy that she came on and was so vulnerable and open about her about her story because I know it's going to really help so many people. So thank you, Caitlin. I'm proud of you and I'm happy to have had you on the podcast. Welcome to Breaking the Ice, Caitlin. Hello. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, I feel like you're a familiar face just because obviously we've chatted and then you live in Nashville. So we got to meet in person a little bit and now just seeing you again is fun. So yeah, it's (laughs) nice to see you. I know that um, things were really crazy. I'm excited I can talk to you more on here. Yeah, me too. Well, we'll just start off and I'll have you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and just who you are, what you've got going on right now and all of that good stuff. Yes. So my name is Caitlin Yakura. Um, It's kind of weird to say um, because I just married Dean Yakura and um, he played in the ECHL last season for the Greenville Swamp Rabbits to be determined this next season. Uh, But we live in Nashville. Yeah. And I think basically what we have going on now is just off season stuff, traveling, visiting family, a lot of weddings, our own wedding took up a lot of time. So that was (laughs) back in July, (laughs) trying to plan a wedding during season and having the wedding beginning of the off season. It was just a lot stressful. Yeah. Yeah. We um, had to do everything at crunch time. And then Dean was finally able to focus and stuff that we needed to get done. And yeah, now we're just, but briefly because it's going to be a season again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because I feel like a lot of the people that I've had on my podcast, like the last three people I've talked to just got married. So I'm always like, congratulations on your wedding. Like it's, it's the summertime, which means that's when people in the hockey life get married. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you only have like a limited amount of dates to choose from, because even if you get into June, you don't know if playoffs or anything like that is going to carry on over. So we decided July training right now and then it's season again are you guys doing a honeymoon no 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 we are it interferes with training right now so that's okay maybe maybe in the future yeah that's okay so we'll um figure that out it gives us time to maybe plan something and not rush into it either so just yeah. to honeymoon to honeymoon but yeah well that's- he owes me <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like all this wedding stress like we're doing a honeymoon but it's yeah I mean in that way you can kind of have something to plan and something to look forward to in the future like maybe next summer I always like having trips like planned in the summer because then I have like the whole season to look forward to it Exactly. So, and that's where I think it was too much going on this summer. So now we can maybe kind of brainstorm over the course of season and figure out a place that we both want to go. That's awesome. There's a topic that we wanted to discuss today and like the majority of it and just kind of bring awareness and shed light on it and just kind of, you know, inform people on 
your situation, your story, and maybe helping someone else. So my first question to you is how old were you? I guess this is just like an abrupt, like topic yeah. change, but like, <laughs> that's, how, a, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But how old were you when you were diagnosed with cancer and what kind of cancer were you diagnosed with? Yeah. So I was 25. Oddly enough, I was diagnosed the day after my 25th birthday. It just was like, wow, not expecting that, especially at 25. It's not on your radar really at all, uh, being healthy. Um, but I was diagnosed with stage three melanoma. So, but it was metastatic. So meaning it had spread. Where did it spread to? My lymph nodes. So when it spread, I mean, they had to do a lymph node dissection to take out the lymph nodes that were affected. Um, but with that, there's always concern that it's in your um, blood cells and it's hard to detect until it spreads to an organ. So it was kind of that in between. It didn't spread to any other major organs, but it was hard to know if it was elsewhere. When you found out that you had cancer, was this like a normal, regular checkup you were just going in for? Did you have any signs that you were like, kind of like felt a little bit concerning? Yeah. So I went into my primary care doctor, um, just because I was in home or at home for summer, um, I was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the time. So I wasn't home often. So I had just this dark spot on my abdomen. I was just like, oh, don't really like this. I thought it looked ugly. So I was like, can you remove it? He just told me he didn't really necessarily feel comfortable doing that, but didn't express a whole lot of concern. So he referred me to dermatology. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but, or others are, but if you don't have a referral, or even if you do, it takes forever to get into dermatology. Even me now with my situation, I, it still takes like almost six months. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that that's, could be the difference between, you know, something being a, probably a completely different stage of cancer. Exactly. So, and that happened in May. So by the time I was home again and was able to get in just because I wasn't living in state and insurance and you know how that works. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily a network. So I couldn't go over there and see someone it had to be when I was home. Um, but it wasn't also on my radar. So I didn't think there was an urgency. As long as I got into Durham, I was going to be good. So I got into dermatology. It was beginning of March. Um, they removed it. They agreed it needed to go. And a few weeks went by and I just carried on. I thought no news was <laughs> good news. 
And I remember getting that call March 27th and she said, you have melanoma. And at that point too, I mean, I was in shock, surreal. And <laughs> do you remember I, like where you were when you got that phone call? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was in Milwaukee visiting for my birthday and, you know, I was recovering from birthday celebrations night before. Oh and gosh. Yeah. So I Which was, your, your anxiety is like amplified at that point too. Yeah. So, and I saw the phone number like come up. I didn't know the number and normally I don't answer phone calls or numbers. I don't know. So maybe I'm going to answer this. It was my dermatologist. And I thought that was kind of abnormal too, because usually it's just a nurse that would call and say, Hey, just let you know, lab results came back. Everything is benign. You're good. But she called me and said, yeah, you have melanoma. And at that point, I was like, what does that even mean? So I told her to please call my mom. She'll know what to do with this because I don't know what to do with this right now. And my mom's a nurse practitioner, so I knew that she would know got off the phone with her. She called my mom and I just remember sitting there by myself and researching what melanoma was (laughs) because I really did not know. Again, it wasn't on my radar, especially something you needed to know, like, yeah, especially being 25. I mean, you don't think that's going to happen to you. You sort of go through life like you're invincible in a lot of ways. And that moment, I mean, I felt like that. And then I was like, okay, no, you're not. (laughs) So, and I remember I didn't drive. So I had to take like a Greyhound bus home the next day. And um, because I had a appointment with a general surgeon that following week, uh, just to go over everything. And, um, yeah, I had to get that, the outer, the perimeter, um, removed just to make sure they got it all after the first biopsy. And then, um, they were thinking that it was such, so small in diameter that it was probably only going to be like a stage one localized. And then they gave me the option uh, for a lymph node biopsy. And I was like, well, yeah, I want that because I want the peace of mind, want to know mm-hmm. if anything's there that I'm going to be, or if it's not, then great. So, and sure enough, it lit up and um, I had to have those removed, but they only did a partial because I'm a painter. And when they remove lymph nodes, there's a lot of nerve um, rerouting, I guess you would say. um, So a lot of people 
I know can get lymphedema, have lose ability in their arm. Um, I know for me, yeah, even for me now, I have numbness. I can't feel like the whole back of my arm, but I was like, I can at least use my hand in the lower part so I can paint. So they were at, they were able to do just a modified dissection. And then after that, then I met with my oncologist and had to go through the whole treatment plan. So going back to like, when you got that phone call, what did the process look like for you of really processing what you were about to experience? I mean, it really was a reality shock. I feel like everything that I had been working towards up until that point in school and I had just had a job interview in um, Milwaukee. I think that a few days before, um, and I had to just let all of that go and focus slowly on, or solely on my health. I mean, that was the bare minimum was all I could really do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like my independence and um was taken away a lot not that like my life was stolen but i know that's pretty dramatic but i mean no because no one your age expects to go through that and let alone has to go through that so i think that's a very normal response to feel like to feel like that like why is this happening to me i'm sure it didn't feel fair did you have any sort of like family history of this or was this like totally random? Yeah. So I do have cancer history on both sides of my family. I mean, but it was all later in life. But then when that happened to me right away, they're like, oh, you should do genetic counseling. And just because of your age, it's, actually not a good thing (laughs) to get cancer at that age. They think that's um, very abnormal. So they thought that there were genetic, I don't know, mutations or something that would have led to that. But um, at the same time, that hasn't been something that I've pursued. Maybe it's, I mean, I've already had cancer. So it's like, yeah. if I get it again, that's just the way things work out, I guess. Did you ever have a phase of feeling like you were in denial or like, did you have an attitude of like, let's get rid of this, like immediately? Like, what did that look like for you? And Emotionally, I guess. Yeah, I had a long period of time where just was, I'm going to be positive. I'm not going to let this affect me. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to just deal with this and, um, keep my head high. And I think a lot of that though, I didn't actually deal with things. I mean, I just kind of let it go and put on this face that everything was going to be fine. Um, I'm doing great. And I, I wasn't, there were a lot of other thoughts where I 
thought that I wasn't going to have these big moments in life where I had to be okay with maybe not having a boyfriend or getting married or having children or having these monumental things, even growing old. It's a lot of things I think a lot of people take for granted because there are a lot of things that not everyone gets. So, and I had to come to this realization that I need to be okay if I don't get those things in life. So I think that was one of the toughest things to wrap my head around because there were so many unknowns and if the treatment was going to work or not, or they just had percentages. It wasn't anything concrete that they gave me. The chemo that I was on too, it was, it, it was brutal. I felt like I had the flu almost all the time. And I had to go through that treatment for a year. So I started out five days a week for four weeks, but my white blood cell counts ended up being so low that I had to take a week off because they were worried if, I mean, I was just more susceptible of getting sick or hospitalized. So I had to have a week off and then after I completed that at the cancer center, then I was able to graduate and do home treatments, but that was still three days a week for the remainder of the year. I mean, I can't even imagine like having to go through that. And also just like, I feel like when you feel sick in general, you'd feel so just low, like it doesn't help your mood. It doesn't help you stay positive. Not that you need to stay positive in a situation like that, because I'm sure that is very challenging to do, but I mean, when you feel like shit, it's like your thoughts probably were not the best. Like, I mean, it's just like, it's all correlated. It's a vicious cycle, right? Then your motivation, it's hard to be like, oh, let's get up and go for a walk. Yeah. Or like, you know, (laughs) get out of the house and do things. And I, I think the hardest thing too, I, my hair, I just didn't even like to look at myself a lot of the time. Um just because I felt like I didn't look like myself. I mean, my eyes. Did your hair like start to fall out? Yeah. And that was one of the hardest things. I didn't lose it completely. It was very sparse. Um, And I would just have chunks upon chunks. And um, I remember losing that and just... I, one day it was so much and I just got out of the shower and I was crying. I said, mom, you just got to cut my hair. I, I need this gone. And, um, yeah, so that was just, cause I felt like when I lost my hair and I know people always are like, oh, it's just hair. But I feel like when you lose that that's when people start to look at you differently because then they associate that as you being sick. So, and that was my biggest thing. I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be treated normal. Um, But I wasn't. And it was just, yeah, everything was just out of my control. And that was the last thing that I felt like 
I was just was trying to control because I would put extensions in and <laughs> put on yeah. my baseball cap and try to look normal. And then once that it, it, I started to lose that, then I was like, okay. Is there something that you remember that made you feel like the most supported by friends and family when you were going through that? Like if someone listening has a family member or a friend that's going through cancer treatments or just finding out they have cancer, like in what way can they help support them? Like what, what was the most memorable to you? Just the family members that would even go to treatments with me and they would just sit with me. They didn't require me to talk to them. They just, they allowed me to put my headphones on and just sit there. Um, and I think those that were just there for me and didn't require me to like talk about necessarily how I was feeling was, I mean, even that was great support because I feel like a whole lot of people aren't going to know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. um, and all, I mean, I think one of the worst things is to be like, you're strong, you can do that. And they don't know. Mm -hmm. So I think just being there, showing up for them, whether they want you to show up for them or not, just being there. Because two, a lot of them probably aren't going to want to ask for help. They want to maintain their independence or do things because, I mean... I tried to put on that brave face that I could still do all this normal stuff. And really. You wanted the help, but you just didn't want to ask. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or yeah. I feel like that's a really hard thing to do is to like accept help. And would you say that it was helpful for you when people would just take initiative and like bring you food or maybe just do something to show that they're caring rather than asking you, like, let me know if you need anything kind of thing. Yeah. Because I think that was one of the other biggest things for me. I felt like a burden in a lot of ways. And I know people would be like, Oh, you're not a burden, but I felt like I disrupt a lot of people's lives. If I had to ask them that I needed something. Um, because I know everyone's busy and has their own lives and stuff going on. So when I would have to be like, I need this or that, I always felt bad. So I think just showing up for someone that's going through that and taking that initiative is great. I think that's one of the best things mm -hmm. that you can do to support someone. One of my best friends, her mom had cancer. Her mom passed away about a year ago, but, um, never really knew how to like fully navigate that situation because like, I wanted to ask her about it because I wanted her to feel like she could talk about it without her bringing it up to me and putting that on her to feel like a burden for bringing it up, even though it never was, but I know she yeah. kind of had similar thoughts like that, but I feel like as a friend, I kind of struggled with how do I like, sometimes I just didn't know what to say. I'm like, do I say anything at all? Do I just kind of, you know, take that off their mind for the day or like not knowing when to talk about it? You know, like it was, it's kind of a 
tricky thing for some, because I haven't gone through that and I haven't experienced that. And so I think people just, they want to help, but they also don't want to say the wrong thing. Well, yeah, it's just, I know know what what you're saying though, because it's like, do I tiptoe around it or do I just ask it? Or if I don't ask it, do they think that I don't care about it? Exactly. Yeah. And I would say this, I mean, if it, me, I rather someone talk to me about it, or if they have something, you know, they want to ask me to be direct about it. Um, because I, a lot of the times too, I felt like, I don't know, I just had to deal with it too. I, mm-hmm. I felt like I had a lot of people tiptoeing around me and it's not until, I mean, I really uh, started to see a therapist to really <laughs> um, get out the stuff that I had just built up inside me that, I mean, no one yeah. really asked because mm-hmm. I feel like people try to tiptoe around me and they're like, well, we went through this too. And I'm like, but not really. Mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> I feel like it's a very like, inward experience to go through what you've gone like because it is so uncommon at age 25 to get diagnosed with cancer so you're like most people wouldn't know what I'm going through so it's like kind of I feel like it would be like very you would do a lot of internalizing and a lot of processing on your own but I think that's amazing that you went to a therapist because yeah like it's someone that has a totally like not biased opinion and like obviously they know what they're doing and they want to talk to you so that you can process your emotions so I think that's huge would you say that helped you a lot in your healing journey and is that something you would suggest for people going through that yeah because it it is a trauma I mean Hmm. something like that is absolutely traumatic so if you're just internalizing internalizing it it's that's that's not healthy I know some people do (laughs) I mean I did for a while and it might work for a while but you're going to get to the point where it doesn't work anymore and you have to like face it yeah because then the thing is with that too I mean I still have to go through all these follow-up appointments and will have to for probably the remainder of my life and have to be um, on closed tabs by my doctors. So, and every time I have to do that, it brings something up in me traumatically. So, and now I can see that. So, um, and just then too, with my relationships as well, because I've had this conversation with Dean too, where I don't want to be a burden. I, I know I shouldn't feel that way. And my therapist says I shouldn't either, but there's still, when these appointments come up and I have to do this or be there, it, that still comes up. So I think therapy is really great. And I would encourage it to anyone, even family members that are, um, supporting 
someone that's going through this because I know that can be traumatic for them as well. So, and they have their own feelings too that maybe I wouldn't understand or the person, their family member who's going through it wouldn't necessarily understand too. So yeah, therapy is great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good idea. I think that would be really helpful to people if you have someone really close to you going through that to just help, I guess, explain how you can best support you know, that person in your life that's experiencing that because I don't know if so much us as humans are really equipped to do, uh, do, do that, especially when we're so close to someone going through that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like when you oh, love yeah. someone so much, I think everyone has different coping mechanisms too. So it might be too hard for one person to, not that it's even about that person, but it's like the thought of maybe losing you or something would be so like they can't even wrap their head around it. Yeah. And I'll say this too. I saw that with my mom. I mean, my mom, she's a nurse practitioner. She's in the medical field, but all of that basically went out the window when I was the patient. Right. Oh, I just got the chills. Yeah. Yeah. It just, she was mama bear and she just, yeah, it was just ultra protective and just, are you doing this? Are you doing that? And they were just like, she's going to be fine. You, you know, <laughs> but it just, she was, it went completely out the window. So, because she just, she was a mom first and foremost, and then the medical just, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's just, having this conversation too, like you never know what someone's going through. Like how you said, like I put my hat on and I walked out of the house because I just wanted to be normal and feel normal. And it's like, you were going through cancer treatments, like your hair was falling out and you're going probably to the grocery store. And, you know, someone could just be a total dick to you for no reason, not having any slightest clue what you are yeah. going through in this moment in life. So I feel like it's just such a important reminder that to be kind, like, you know, to everyone when you're out and walking around, because you never know. Yeah. Someone could be having a really hard time, whether it's them or they're caring for someone that's super sick and that they just need to get out of the house to just, um, get out and have some fresh air. It just, I mean, kindness and, um, just making sure that, um, you're being just respectful. And I don't know, I, um, I appreciate just the small gestures that people showed me. So I, I still have a hard time looking at pictures of myself from back then. I, I actually deleted a lot of them and I know that sounds awful, but I was having just a really hard time confidence and self-esteem wise. So, and that's where there were small comments where people are like, oh, you're so pretty. And I was just like, wow, that really made my day. Just a small comment like that. No, totally. And I, I think that's all part of the way that you needed, like what you needed to do to process. How would you say like this entire experience going from learning that you have cancer to the treatments to even 
things that come up for you now, like how has that changed your perspective on how you live your life and how you, I guess, compared to what, how you did before? Yes. So one would be birthdays. Um, when people, those comments, when people are like, oh, I'm getting so old. I always kind of stop and think, well, growing old is a privilege that not a lot of people get actually. So, and I, I would say that firsthand, just being at the cancer center and there were people that you would just not see the next time. Um, so it's just really a privilege and good health being an advocate for yourself. If something doesn't feel right, take like, call the doctor, make those appointments, follow up, put yourself on a waiting list too. If it's too far out, we aren't invincible. Cancer does not discriminate. It doesn't care if you're young and you have all these things going for you. Like, oh, you just got a new job and you just got this and that. Well, guess what? Cancer doesn't care. And I would say too, with my relationships, it's taught me to be more open about things. I think I do need to be better in some ways too. I mean, I've had those vulnerable moments with Dean and he, I did let him come to a oncology appointment with me just so he could get the scoop on everything that's going on with me. So it's on his radar as well. And trying to let down those walls of not being a burden. So because yeah. that was the one thing too. He's just like, you need to stop talking like that. You're not a burden. Well, I think, I mean, it's so easy for people to say like, you shouldn't feel that way or like, don't feel that way, but like you feel how you feel and you feel that way because that's how you feel and you can't control it. But I can understand, I can understand why someone would feel that way, even though I don't have to tell you that that's not a burden to anyone. And especially those people that love you the most, but I can understand not feeling like you want to put people out or, you know, oh, they're go, I'm inconveniencing this person, but people always offer to help because they want to help and because they care. But yeah. And it just dating. I remember dating him or even on that first date, I think we first or second date pretty quick. I had that conversation with him just be like, this is the reality of my life. And if you're going to be in my life, I mean, it's been part of your life too. Yeah. I think that's how I really knew he was special because I know it's not ideal for a lot of guys, (laughs) especially they're busy. They have a lot going on and I, there's been times too, where I'm like, okay, Dane, I got to leave. Like I have this appointment, this appointment, and I need to be back for, um, so, but he really stood by my side and continues to be so, and that's, I mean, <laughs> he's stuck with me now too. So, um, but really just supportive and he, I don't think he sees it so much as flaws as much as I would have 
And I think just giving those people more credit too. Mm -hmm. those people that do show up for you, that they're there for you and do care about you and love you despite all that and what you may think. I'm sure um, you definitely learn to like who like matters, you know, like something like this that happens in your life. You think people are going to be there for you and some people that you probably thought were, weren't. Oh yeah. I've had a lot of friends that just kind of fell off the, when you needed them the most too. Yeah. And with that, I just, even some family members, I know that's, um, kind of, you wouldn't think that because they're blood and they should be there for you. But even then, um, depending on family dynamics, um, and if they're more stoic, like I've had families, members that are so talking about it and showing emotion made them uncomfortable so just trying to navigate that but a lot of lessons learned and who i give my time to i guess now despite that because it's like that saying if you can't ex or accept me at my worst you don't deserve me at my best yes oh my so. gosh so true yeah. So true. No, I mean, it's a good, I think this episode too is just a good reminder that if you feel like something's off, like go get it checked. I have these like lipomas all over my body and it's, it's, it sounds so stupid, but I think like I was so scared for a long time to go get them checked out because I was scared of what I would hear. And yeah. I finally did this last hockey season in Austria and it, all it took was for them to go over it and be like, yeah, like it's, it's good. But I put myself through like almost two years of anxiety, which could be two yeah. years too long, like kind of thing. And it's like, I thought to myself, why did I do that? Cause if, if this was something that was wrong, I would want to know like immediately. Right. And I, I think it's like, this is just a good reminder to people to make that appointment, make that effort. Cause it's so easy to let that fall through the cracks, especially when you're moving around and you're so busy and you have all this stuff going on, it's like, I don't have time, but like, it's so important to find the time. Yeah. And I think that's really why I wanted to come on this podcast and talk to you about it because this lifestyle and moving around, um, it, it's, busy. And I feel like sometimes we put things on the back burner because of the busyness and we're moving here and there and whether insurance or out of network, um, all those components. And we put just things off. This is my <laughs> way of saying, don't, if something is off or feels off, trust your gut and make the appointment because you're not too young to get cancer. Again, it doesn't discriminate and it can happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I felt completely fine, healthy. All I had was a spot and I tan pretty easily, rarely get sunburn. So I felt like it just was not on my radar. No, and, I don't think most people would think it's on there. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, and like you said, I just going back to like the 
I'm invincible. I'm young. This isn't going to happen to me. Or maybe I have no genetic history of this. Like it doesn't discriminate and it could happen. And just to stay on top of it. I hope too, if anyone has just any concerns too, I mean, I would love to be a resource. I mean, I can't tell you how many friends I've had message me now and be like, oh, I got the spot. What do you think? I was like, go to the derm. Yeah. <laughs> or, Better and, safe to get it checked out. Yeah. And it's even if you can't get into the derm, go to your primary care doctor as well. Because I know my mom, just the lesson she learned, if she sees something right away, primary care, family practice, she'll just remove it if it's possible because she mm -hmm. doesn't want someone to have to wait mm -hmm. to get into derm and then it'd be this whole thing again. Yeah. yeah. Well, if someone does want to reach out and ask you any questions or just wants to connect, or maybe they've been through something similar, um, where can they find you? Yes. Um, my Instagram is at Caitlin Yakura, pretty straightforward. You can send me a message. I'm happy to chat. Um, any just support. If there's anything that looks kind of um, iffy, I'm here. <laughs> so, and I that's why that. I say too. Any ugly ducklings too. That's what my dermatologist said. If anything is looks not like the other, that's another. Um, red flag. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and just, I mean, honestly, just being vulnerable and sharing your story. I think it's <laughs> a really important story to share and I appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it and talking to you and hope that I can just spread awareness.